Cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Stretch that out. Fishing shit. <laughs> um, that was good though. Cool. You uh, you good to go? Yeah. All right, man. Let's roll straight to you from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Welcome to Permit to Think: Meaningful Stories and Conversations from the Fringe of Societal Norms. I am your host, Mike Dawes. As a professional fisherman and host, I've spent the last 25 years traveling the far and near reaches of the world. In the beginning, the goal was untouched adventures and wild fish. But I've come to realize that the people I've met along the way and their stories have played a pivotal role in seeking what I'm truly after, a quiet mind and time to think. This ride is too short, so I'm going to start exploring the narratives of the people that have brought me here. I have been told that audio has no rules, so it seems like a good platform for someone who grew up breaking them all. Let's go. Our guest today is Sean Combs. Sean is the Director of Product Design and Development for Fishing, Hunting, and dogs at the Orvis Company. He also is the lead designer for Rods and Reels. Sean originally hails from Louisville, Kentucky, where he grew up in the world of retail as his parents owned a specialty hunting and fishing shop. Sean went to the University of Louisville, where he graduated with a master's in mechanical engineering. After a 10-year stint, in the engineering world, working for the likes of Exxon, GE, and Lockheed Martin, doing various small jobs all over the world, like developing and designing nuclear fuel for submarines, etc., Sean was on a flight back to upstate New York from Utah, and then things changed. He happened to sit next to Steve Hempkins, who at the time was the head product developer head of product development at the Orvis Company, and also the older brother of Mikey Hempkins, episode 12, go listen, and asked him if he could borrow a copy of his Drake magazine, a grassroots journal for fly fishing enthusiasts. Five months later, Sean started working at the Orvis Company and has been there ever since. I've had the pleasure of knowing and working with Sean since the time he started his professional journey in the fly fishing industry. From where I sit, Sean is an extraordinary talent and mind when it comes to developing products in the fly fishing industry, and the proof is in the products. In talking with Sean in regards to the products that he and Orvis create, his ability to converse on an earthly level in order to collaborate is wildly impressive. Sean currently lives in Winhall, Vermont, with his wife, Kate, whose grandfather actually built bamboo rods at Orvis in the 50s to the 70s. Quite the coincidence, and we'll get into more of that. And his two daughters, Blair and Isla. Without further ado, please welcome Sean Combs to the show. What's up, man? What's going on, Mike? How you doing? I'm doing great. That was a good day. It was a great day. That was fun. It was a good day to be great. Yeah. 
I'm glad, uh, you know, a lot of cool things come out of these, um, these podcasts, but also obviously cool things come out of fishing as we both know. And I was just thinking when we were fishing today out there in Idaho and I couldn't believe we got AJ to, to join us, but just, just putting, uh, the two of you together was, was pretty cool. Oh, it was awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, Goes to show you, you get in a boat with somebody you don't know. Uh, if you're in the boat fishing, you know them. And AJ was awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, love love to look forward to the next time we get to fish together. Yeah, and hopefully um, hopefully there's more of that down the line. Yeah. Um, uh, I have now done the last two shows all with fishing-based. So... <laughs> The other day was five, you know, five thirty in the morning before we went fishing, and now is after fishing. And um, I think I think the after fishing, while it's hard, because one one update for the show is is Cameron, who actually we blew him off today. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron, uh, Jen said Cameron was waiting here at five o'clock, and uh, so you know that's what that's what fishing does, but. For, for people listening, because I have had someone ask, what's the deal with Cameron? And the deal with Cameron is um, we're going to get him on here whenever it is possible. A lot of these things are uh, come up last minute and or um, we're fishing late, <laughs> as, as in today, etc. So we might get him on here, but um, that's it going forward. Inconsistency is what you can expect. Um, how, uh, and that almost, uh, goes with like the phone call you and I had the other day when I called you and you, I was like, how you doing, man? And you said, I just, just trying to keep up with Jackson hole, just trying to keep (laughs) up with good old Jackson hole (laughs) on a lot of, uh, a lot of events. Yeah. Already a, a mountain bike incident. We had a really good ride on Munger up until the point that, uh, my brother was like, dude, let's memorialize this with a video in an epic, epic proportions. Uh, it looked good if you scrub off the last five seconds where I completely blow up on a G out in the bottom of a like, nice little ridge line. It's funny because um, when I came back from my incident that hurt my ribs, um, it hurt doing this because I knew there's times you're going to laugh hard. <laughs> and I'm still there. Yeah. That was yesterday morning. Yeah. Um, then you had been to the Fourth of July parade before here. Uh no, never, no? never. What, no. Were your, what were your your thoughts as a super cool? Uh, it was great seeing the community come together. Of course, the tourists kind of layering in there, just uh, getting the whole thing and kind of you know celebrating the Fourth, and that was awesome. Do they do those in Vermont? Oh yeah, like yeah. big. Yeah, I would imagine well, big is relative to size of the to the size of the state. Yeah. Um, we have an awesome fourth parade in Londonderry. Mm-hmm. Um, our big parade is probably the tractor parade Christmas. Oh, really? So everybody takes their tractors, puts like lights and Santas and all that stuff. And literally you stand in the snow yeah. in the dark for like 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sounds epic. It Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess it depends on how you set it up, right? Yeah. yeah they do a good job. I was actually, uh, where was I? Oh, um, of all the places... Key West Christmas light show. Like we did that. I took the kids on the trolley on that one. That's a, that's real deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a real commitment. 
um, it's uh, it's amazing to to look back and think that um, already eleven and a half years have gone by. I'm not sure you know the exact date when we met, but it was somewhere very shortly after you were working week two. Week two. Yeah, in Wyoming at the rendezvous. Nice. Yeah. That was in Cody. Yep. Yeah. Uh, cool. Casper. Casper. Yeah. Nice. Casper. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just want to start, I, I start these all over the place. And I, I was thinking, uh, as I was writing this last night, let's just, let's just dive right into your time at Orvis. And if you don't mind, just work backwards, backwards. Um, jump around a bit, but yeah, no. we'll probably go backwards. No, it sounds good. So uh, backwards right now, um, you know, I'm on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last week I was on vacation on the Cape. Uh, and then if you go backwards from that, um, the last two and a half years have been a pretty wild ride. Um, it's been a grind, you know, like a lot of changes, a uh, lot of everything. We don't need to really go into that. It's probably a yeah. total another. No, and, episode, and also when I say backwards, I'm saying like I'm your stages of life too. I don't need you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, so, so the week before that, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, how how yeah. long do you have? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So no, I mean, you know, so literally at Orvis, um, you know, eleven and a half years ago. I, like you said, I was on a plane and I mean, I was, a, I was a, uh, it feels like I was a kid. I wasn't a kid. Um, still a kid, but I'm, you know, aged out on the kid thing. And, uh, I was on an airplane coming back from Utah where I've been fishing and hanging out and, uh, Steve, who I had no idea who he was. Oh, so you were fishing. Sorry. I thought you were on a work trip. No, no, no. Just straight up. Just, you just, know, you went out there to like to cruise fish. around. Okay. Yeah. I had friends that I have a good buddy that lives in Midway. And, uh, so I try to get out and either fish or ski, you know, like every now and then, uh, that happened to be the case. Um, my brother also, uh, raced cars at the time and he was at Miller, um, out West of town doing, oh, wow. a, doing a, like an MX five cup race. So hanging with him a little bit, doing this, doing that. And like, you know, cup is full going home, um, on the Chicago to Albany flight. Uh, for some reason, you know, mileage or whatever, I get bumped up to first class mm -hmm. and the seat across the aisle is empty. And right before we take off this younger guy, you know, looks like, you know, fishy Yeah, pops in the seat across the aisle, bumped up to first class. So here couple, you know, sunburnt shaggy haired him bald me. <laughs> uh, dudes, right. Uh, are sitting across from each other. And, you know, I'm like, I'm fried, right? You know, great week. Um, but at some point he, he whips out the Drake mag and I remember it, you know, it was the Derek DeYoung cover with the um, rainbow. No, uh, no. With the, with the moonlit, uh, rising Brown. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that was actually Gray's journal. Oh, sorry. I'm going way back with that first. Oh, DeYoung. the rainbow. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So this was, this was Buy's rag and, uh, and you know, and I'm just like, Hey, Dude, I haven't seen that one. Do you mind if I borrow it? He's sure. And are you guys sitting um, opposite aisle, like in, opposite in cap, okay. in cap, you know? And and we have no conversation at all the rest of the flight. I just, you know, mooched his his magazine, flipped through it, handed it back to him. Did not realize I just borrowed a magazine from like the most 
socially uh, expansive person I've ever met. Right. You know, like you're not a stranger Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we stand up and, you know, we're kind of shuffling bags and stuff. And, and within the time it takes to open the front door to leave the airplane, he knew that I was a mechanical engineer, loved to fish, lived in upstate New York, got my email. You know, he was just on it. He was just, yeah. you know, just, just taking hustling. it all in, hustling, yeah. hustling. And that was, I think that was like September, maybe September, October. And, um, you know, he like, like, you know, I'm like, he's like, yeah, maybe we, you know, we'll go fishing sometime or, you know, or, or you, you ski, a snowboard, we'll, you know, we'll meet up somewhere in Southern Vermont. Yeah. And I'm like, cool, dude. <laughs> Thanks for the magazine. Yeah. Here it is. You know, uh, little did I know, like three months later, he, he just, you know, cold emails me and he's like, Hey, uh, you like to fish, just met you on an airplane, you know, while back, remember me. And, uh, I'm reading the email and did it's, he tell you at the time what his position was? Didn't even know he worked for Orvis. Oh, wow. Just, okay. just a random guy with a Drake mag on yeah. a plane. And, uh, and so literally I'm reading this email and, and I'm, I'm like, how do you respond to this? He's like, you know, would you be interested in learning more about the opportunity of designing fly rods for Orvis? And I had this, this like overwhelming, you know, uh, sensation of like, when I was in high school, I chose to go into engineering because I wanted to get a job, either designing skis, mountain bikes, archery equipment or fly rods. You knew that in high school straight up. Wow. You know, and, and I, I was either going to be a graphic designer, which I probably didn't have enough skill set there to really do anything, but I was like, yeah, that's interesting or an engineer. And, um, and straight up, I mean, we'll jump back around yeah, yeah. or whatever, but Absolutely. I mean, straight up, you know, I was like, yeah, emailing back. I'm like, uh, sure. I'm like, when do you want to meet, talk, whatever. Yeah. And that was in, I'd say late 2010, early 2011. Um, because I started April 11th, I think in 2011, something like that. I think that's my 11th or 14th, but details. Yeah. Details, Mike. Yeah. Um, and so So I'm amazed that people know, like there's a lot of people that know certain days for sure. It was a, yeah, it was a big one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pivotal. Yeah. Pivotal day. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I went over, met uh, a lot of the team there, did some interviews, uh, wore a suit, literally wore a suit to Orvis. Were you the only one in, a- I was in, in at least a decade? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> in the decade since, uh, lawyers and finance people wear suits to Orvis. Everybody yeah. else, no. <laughs> they, they still do? Yeah, because they, yeah, yeah. they have no idea. You know, yeah. they just like, show up and they're looking businessy. And, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, hi, I'm from, you know, Chong 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 or Chomblers and, Chong, you know, whatever. Right? Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, uh, cool. Oh, that's right. You guys are a fly fishing company. <laughs> yeah, pretty uh, pretty mellow. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I got through the first interview. Um, Did you know how many, was there a bunch of candidates? No idea. Okay. Right. You know, it's totally yeah. not, not transparent. You know, you're just like, yeah. you're perfect. I mean, yeah. yeah. Normal. And, uh, and then a, a week later I had an interview that was already set up before Steve, I was already talking to this company called Terra power in, uh, Seattle, Washington. So you were kind of making, I was a on move. the look. Okay. I was on the look, but I wasn't thinking 
you know, like fly fishing industry, right? I was solely, yeah, yeah. I was at the time I was uh, working at at Knowles Atomic Power Laboratory in Niskey, New York. Um, I had been in, there. in where New York? Sorry, Niskey, Okay, yeah. What's that New York? Uh, Albany, uh, New York, Albany. Yeah, okay. Capital Region. And Knowles was a Department of Energy laboratory that was responsible for nuclear propulsion for submarines and aircraft carriers. <laughs> and that gets old saying that. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. And, uh, you know, my time there, I was pretty much just like, you know, I'm in upstate New York. Uh, I don't feel connected to the, to my work. I mean, it was awesome. Were you, you were on the road a lot? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would do summers in Idaho at the, at the, uh, Naval Re- reactors facility, um, on the INL yeah. outside of if, wow. Um, I know. Yeah. Such a mystery to me. It, it is. And it, we're not going to talk any more about okay. that because <laughs> literally, uh, they will come through your door yeah. and take me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there was, a, um, there's a gal on the South Fork initiative that I work with Leslie Soderquist uh-huh. and um, we were exchanging posters for the event coming up and she was there for 35 years. Oh wow. And the other day I was like, I just, I just get a weird vibe and she's like, just stop it. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like just stop. <laughs> yeah. There's something, cr- you know, I don't know, but yeah. Every time she t- summed it up professionally, like perfectly. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of cyber stuff. There's a lot of naval, yep. you know, and that yep. was, yeah. that was about the, all, all, you know, otherwise it's just a nice road that goes by <laughs> to Arco. Exactly. If you want, you can stop at, uh, EBR one, the experimental, uh, breeder reactor. It was the first place that they lit a light bulb with nuclear energy. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's it was, cool. it was pretty wildcat back in the fifties, forties, you know? Yeah. Uh, but fast forwarding back, I'm, I'm setting at the, you know, I've, I talked to Steve first interview. It was crazy. It was like crazy three, four weeks flew to Seattle. Uh, Terra power was, was part of, uh, intellectual ventures, which was a Bill Gates funded think tank. Hmm. And, um, you know, and so I literally, uh, I, next thing I know it, I'm, I'm back at Orvis, uh, meet Dave Perkins um, great guy. Pretty much just, yeah. you know, I was like, all right, you know, like this seems awesome. Yeah. You know, I had no idea as an angler before that, those two interactions, um, you know, going to the flagship store and stuff like that, I would have never known, uh, how family based the company was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sure. Red books or articles and sure. stuff like that, but yeah. you know, Everyone, everyone who fished growing up, right? Yeah, 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 sure. I mean, I got catalogs and I would circle all the flies in the fly catalog of like what I was going to, you know, (laughs) this year is going to change everything with the tequila, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Kim Keeley. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right right over Victor. Yeah. Uh, So long and short, um, I pretty much, you know, I had career path, you know, and I, and I, I went fishing with uh, a couple buddies and I was like, Hey, so I got this job opportunity that on my career path that I'm on is like out of this world. It's in Seattle. Um, and then I got this job opportunity to go design fly rods for Orbis. And they were like, you know, like there's a question. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like like there's a question. You should live in a van down by the river and work for Orbis, (laughs) you know? 
And, uh, and so, yeah, I jumped right in and just kind of working back up to today, I started out as a product developer, uh, working for Steve, um, you know, sort of jumped in right after, uh, you know, gosh, Helios one was probably three years in, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of, I mean, what Steve and LePage and Logan did with that rod, I think was the, the turning point. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was like, that was the, the first, I mean, I went over to the test cast for the Helios in 2008, maybe, uh, got a free hat, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> and, and I was like, wow, you know, it was a Scott guy at the time. And I'm like, oh, there's, you know, this is sweet. It's like, a good rod. It's a good rod. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I jump in and, uh, just played sponge for, you know, six to eight months, just wanted to learn everything I could about the rod manufacturing process, the rod design process. You know, at the time the company was 150 plus years. Um, so there's just a lot there. Yeah. You know? And in your, in your initial reaction was that, I mean, obviously by hearing you talk about it, like this is a very good culture, like oh, yeah. environment. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, think about it, right? Um, what you were coming yeah any any 30 something angler that walks into an office and there's tom rosenbauer yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know totally. he, he comes over and he's like he's like hey new guy <laughs> we're gonna make some cool shit together <laughs> you know and and he's like he's like uh you're gonna need a nickname and i'm like oh well, i already have one he's like what's that and i'm like well my name's sean combs yeah and he was like blank stare <laughs> And I'm like, someone else yells Diddy from the back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and Tim Dotton's like, yeah, it's Diddy. (laughs) And he was like, all right, P. Diddley. (laughs) We'll have some fun. Let's get on the water. You know, so it's just like, yeah. And, and, you know, like, uh, week one was a fishing manager's meeting and I could just see that I was in the right place. Week two was the guide rendezvous. And Mm -hmm. that was, I mean, that was very impactful. It's just an eye opener of the culture, the support, um, the family that extends beyond the, you know, Southern Vermont and, and, um, and then, and then literally, uh, you know, I played around with, uh, first projects were like the guide sling pack and camo, um, you know, yeah. just, just to get yeah, your, just, get your feet wet, yeah. you know? Okay. So you want a bigger sling pack yeah. and you want it to be camouflage. <laughs> yeah. Like this is easy. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm good. I didn't have to break out my calculator for that. (laughs) And then, uh, next thing you know, it, uh, Steve LePage, Dave bring me into this conference room and and Jim Logan, who at the time was the director or or vice president of manufacturing ran the rod shop there in Manchester. And they're like, okay, we're going to make Helios too. And Jim went to the whiteboard and he was like 20% stronger. 20% 20% lighter, smoother. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I know how to make a fly rod yet. <laughs> well, that's you amazing. I, I had, uh, I, yeah, that's very yeah. really cool. And that was, you know, 2011. And I think it was like a wild 18 months later. Uh, we're putting Helios two out. Yeah. And, and for the listeners, like if you could dumb it down, like, like, the rod building process. Sure. Like yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just so. Yeah. So at, at the high level, what I call freezer warehouse tour, um, <laughs> and I'll try to I'll try to walk us through that. Uh, 
in some layman's terms. Sure. Uh, so you start off with a pre-impregnated carbon fiber with resin impregnated in it. Uh, the carbon fiber is unidirectional strands. Like think about if you just chopped up a bunch of your hair, laid it out flat on a table. Everything's flat. Everything's flat. Okay. It's like a sheet. Uh, it's about as about as thick as a piece of legal pad, you know, sheet of paper <laughs> on scrim, which we'll get to in a second. And the main flag's a little thicker. And um, and you you cut shapes. You essentially cut shapes because you're gonna take these length of a section we'll just take a tip section you'll have a main flag all the fibers are going down the blank Mm -hmm. those are power fibers um and then you roll it around a mandrel well you need scrim to offer hoop strength to kind of hold it all together scrim being scrim is is another pre-preg carbon you know carbon resin um a sheet that's that's much thinner lighter um typically lower modulus uh but it's got a fiber aerial weight which is like mm, sounds really cool but that just means that it's less material per square inch mm-hmm. um and so you 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 have your main flag that looks like a rectangle right it's mm-hmm. 28 inches long uh it might be three inches wide for a tip section at the butt end and then it has a taper cut to be maybe a quarter inch right and it's all about uh, how many wraps, building wall thickness, and stuff like that. The shape of it is going to determine how it builds wall thickness throughout that section. You lay in the the scrim, which is at a, a opposing angle, um, you know, either ninety degrees, forty five, thirty, or sixty. And you do that because if you you know you make pasta, right? You have mm-hmm. a bunch of fibers like pasta. Um, and you hold in your hands and you start to bend them, they all break. You yep. need something to hold all the fibers together, translate the load from, from layer to layer to layer. And, um, and that's where scrim comes in. So we've got a flag, we kit a scrim flag onto it. So now we have, you know, a long sheet of carbon with another sheet of carbon or so on it. And then you take that to a stainless steel mandrel that has a taper to it. Taper just is a nice way of saying starts out fat and it gets yep. skinny as it goes down the rod. That taper and that mandrel sets the ID of the of the blank, right? The flag width will set the wall thickness, which will eventually determine the OD of the blank. Um, once you roll that up on a rolling table, you put cellophane around the outside. Is the rolling table done by hand? No, no, no. no. I mean, it's uh, a long time ago. Uh, they probably prototyped in the seventies by hand, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of hand rolling like a Cuban yeah. cigar. Um, but we use these two big, I mean, they're like tables, like we're, we're looking at here, you know, four to four or so feet long and they come down, press into the mandrel and then scissor kind okay. of two planes, you know, take your hands, do a little shuffle. And, uh, and that rolls the flag around the mandrel. From that point, you go to cellophane, which is a fancy way of saying like scotch tape. You wrap that around the outside in a spiraling, and that is the sausage casing for this blank you're making. Okay. If you went straight to the oven, fired it up, it would melt all the resin out. It would, you know, it would basically gel and flow. Mm-hmm. And you would have a big art project laying in the bottom of the oven. So cellophane keeps it all together, applies the external pressure. Uh, you go in the oven, and it's literally like easy-bake oven temperatures. 
uh, maybe a little more. We, uh, we actually, Helios uses a, a thermoplastic high temperature cure resin that's proprietary to Orvis and has basically been one of the backbone, like design fundamentals for, for all the Helios rods. Um, you know, it's kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say it's not our silver bullet, but it's definitely in the quiver. Sure. And so you go in high temperature cure oven for Helios, um, you know, low for, for recon or super fine glass, clear water. Um, you bake it, it comes out, the resin does its thing, just like two part epoxy, if you will. It's thermal or thermal active reaction. And, um, and then you, then you've got a blank, basically pull a cellophane off, uh, an unsanded blank has those like snake belly lines. Mm -hmm. We sand those off to control tolerances on the diameters and on the wall thicknesses and then to put paint on. Uh, once we cut them to length, go to paint, get out of paint, um, then you're ready to assemble a rod. And at that point it's, uh, it's still pretty tech, uh, mm -hmm. but it's not as, you know, it's not as high tech. Yeah. And uh, so there's a, I mean, I've, I've never seen the rod shop. Hopefully one day. Yeah, I will. definitely. Um, yeah. But um, um, it, it's sounding like a lot of, I mean, there has to be a lot of mandrels. So there are a lot of mandrels. Right? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you think. Rods, you're thinking about making different sizes, weights. They are the, they are like the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. So as you go into experimental advanced concepts, you know, you might need a mandrel that has a different taper. Starts at a different diameter, ends at a different diameter. You know, the change in that diameter is either steeper Mm -hmm. where it decreases diameter per inch of along the mandrel faster um, or, or a slower shallow taper. And, you know, those we could get way into the wormhole on that. Yeah. You know, the, all these terms, you know, load taper yeah. profile, <laughs> fast action, medium action. Um, they're, they're not really standardized, but I try to speak to them as consistently as possible, you know, just, for the listeners and yeah, no. And I think, I think, to, I mean, that's very helpful. And I think part of the reason why I think it's important to go through that is because the evolution of what's taking place of what mm -hmm. you and Orvis have done. Right. I mean, if we fast forward now to the H three, I mean, I'll never forget, right. Getting the first H three and looking at the white stripe. Oh, we're and going there already. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, bear with me. And if you can't talk about it, I totally understand. No, sure. But, yeah. um, but I didn't have a, I know there's been, you probably heard every reaction under the sun about that. And so for, for people listening, we're jumping fast forward, you know, the Helios two came out, then the Helios three and the Helios three, um, you know, has just, in, in my world of fishing has just been a game changer. Um, and I think you're going to, a lot of people would say that all around the world, period. Um, so it's good to have a, you know, what I think just provide the background to that. Um, and what I'm referring to is there was a white, um, you know, there's, there's a white label, long label that is, hadn't really been seen before. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, well, interesting story. Okay. So I'm sitting around and I'm, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself like, okay, um, I go in a fly shop. Every fly rod looks the same. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to get down green and green or brown, green, brown. <laughs> no, oh, this one's red. 
you know, yeah. like, wow. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Helios three, uh, you know, before it's tricked out with it's what it's cosmetics look like. And I'm, I'm fishing prototypes and, you know, I'm watching other people cast them and watch their reaction to like the, the noticeable difference in performance. And it kept, I kept coming back to like, okay, this thing needs to stand out. Like mm-hmm. it, it need, you know, it's like a formula one car now. Um, it, and it has to have some identity, but you're looking at this, this media, this long, narrow tube, thin tube. And you know, there's, there's, there's really no clear answer. And then it, it kind of hits me and I'm like, you know, I think I was probably skiing one day looking down at skis going by and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, I get it now. I've got to do something with the cosmetics. And, and I put together in my mind this idea and I know where it came from much later, but I put together this idea of like, it needs to be bold. It needs to like, you know, be a little bit controversial, right? Like, yeah. Are they they really a little, a little punk rock, a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Just spice it up. And, and so, uh, I mock up, uh, a white label above the cork. Um, it wasn't so much that, uh, you know, I was trying to like turbocharge it, but I wanted to have this, this piece of real estate where you could put the, you know, the name of the rod Orvis, obviously the quick rod identifier, which was uh, a solution to a frustration that I had, which would be, you know, you and I are fishing and you're like, Hey man, quick, pass me the, pass me the whatever. And I'm like putting my click readers on to get down <laughs> there and, you know, and like the small fine print of like, this is a length nine foot, you know, and line weight five and whatever. And, yeah. you know, we used to put, um, uh, disclaimer, anything that I say, like, we used to do this, you know, like <laughs> full respect. <laughs> yeah. It's all about evolution, but we used to put like the weight of the rod on it, you know? And that's like, if you went outside your three fifty and it said, you know, you know, uh, 427 foot pounds of torque and, you know, 4,800 gross vehicle weight yeah. on, on the, on the label. Yeah. And so I wanted to clean all that up. Um, throw the quick rod identifier on, which was just like in your face, right there at your thumb, uh, quick 10 weight, boom, out of the rack in front of the skiff. Here you go. And, uh, and I mocked it up and I, and I remember I showed it to Steve and he was like, Whoa, cowbell. You <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he like looked at me for a hard, like probably 32 seconds. And he's just like, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't think this is going to go. And, uh, and then I showed the rod. I was like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to find an answer. You know, yeah. you know, I'm finding yes. So I go to Rosenbauer, my like trusted mentor. And he was like, what's the sticker? And I'm like, that's, that's the label. <laughs> and he was like, is it a prototype? And I'm like, well, yeah, it is. But you know, we're thinking about dressing it up like this. What do you think? And he was like, oh, that's ugly. <laughs> and I'm like, Thanks, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Leave Tom. And I'm like, literally, you can see me walking around the office, right? Uh, I go to, um, at the time, our president, Bill McLaughlin. And he just like, click. He gets it. He's like, yeah, this is, this is controversial. It stops you. It, it, it instigates the conversation. Absolutely. And he's like, you know, you're going to take some, you're going to take some swings on this one, you know? Um, and then I, you know, the next place I went, so I'm feeling good. I leave Bill's office and I'm like, go over at the time. Simon, I think was working in adventures and I'm like, Hey Simon, what do you think about this? And he was like, Oh, that's cool. He's just like, yeah, 
I like it. And I'm like, okay. And, and literally like I left that day being like, order the labels. We're going here. Oh, wow. And, um, and then from that day forward, like literally every other person you talk to for like the first, I mean, all the way to IFTD. I mean, IFTD was great. Right. Cause like got all these rods and, uh, the international fly tackle. Yeah. Dealership. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah just yeah. trying to make a point. Of, I like it. Know, yeah. yeah. No acronyms. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, uh, well, yeah. And on that note, right. I mean, historically, the reason why we're discussing this is fly rods are always, you know, cursive writing, mm. hand scripts, you know, certain colors, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So, so this is a bold statement basically. Yeah. We're they, talking about. Yeah. Were heirloom, you know, like, like passed down generational looking wall hanging things. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, in your what's, face. What's this loud, like, you know, turn to 11 thing. And we are at, uh, the, the, the trade show. Uh, I don't think the doors open and a, and a couple guys from a competitor come over and I'm having a conversation with park person, you know, like kind of fidgeting, you know, it's like, it's the debut. And these guys come over and they're like, park, man, what's going on? He's like, not much parks. Great. He's like, not much, you know, just doing it, getting ready. I don't know. He's a, he's a rep. He's our, he's our Southeast okay. regional business manager. Okay, cool. Um, you know, maybe yeah. I do actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Now. Yeah. He reps Sitka in that region. Um, yeah, he's great dude. Great dude. And he, and literally they're like, is that the rod or are you going to like take that off and show the label? you know, like unveiling it here. Yeah. And he's like, Nope, that's all 32 of them on the rack over there. <laughs> and he, and they're like, are you serious? Are you guys crazy? And he was like, no nah, way I see it is we're already working. Yeah. And they're like, what? And they're like, yeah, the show's open. Your booth is over there and you're over here talking about a rods. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you're going to go over there and talk about our rods all morning, yeah. you know, like, and from that point on, you know, um, I mean, I heard everything. I, I actually, on some web form, somebody was like, they need to fire Sean Combs. <laughs> really? He single-handedly is dismantling the Orvis company with these bold moves. You oh, know? wow. Yeah, it was crazy. That's crazy. And from where I sit, like, I mean, I, I probably went, right? I mean, I, I'm not involved in any of that. And I, I'm just, you know, consumer, avid fisherman, right? Like, get the... Got the rod, and I remember distinctly being like, wow. And then I remember all the comments, and I was like, hmm. Fast forward to today, um, you know, when you sent me the recent couple rods, mm -hmm. like, the the white is being played with now. Yeah. Because, I get why I'm bringing that up, is because it made such a statement that now I am, I'm presuming that you're at will to do what you want because everyone knew that this rod, I mean, and for me, right, I'm someone who consumes media. So if I, I'm trying to stay in the know, I get, you know, emails, I click on um, videos, I go through the magazines, and I'm just trying to stay in the know. The escalation of white labeled fly rods since you put it out is, I mean, it's a serious curve. Right. Right. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's really cool. I mean, as like I sit around and look through all that stuff, I'm like, 
Oh my gosh, look at look at this. Now it's so all along, uh, the original intent was to create that that real estate to have it as a new element on the rod to dress. So, you know, we we did the blackout series, right? Mm-hmm. New to to last fall. And uh, you know, and those rods, they just say Orvis. And they've got like, you know, this, you know, sort of even louder, but maybe toned back a little bit because it's kind of, you know, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It looks like paint drips going down. Yeah. And, you know, and all of a sudden it's just like take a cue from, you know, snow sports, take a cue from wherever. It's like this, this isn't so serious. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're, it's like today, you know, we were just laughs, fun, mm-hmm. catching fish, beautiful weather, having a good time. It's not a serious thing. Yeah. Like our lives aren't depending upon the success of the day. It's meant to be fun. What, I mean, what equipment right? you have. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so creating an opportunity to give personality to the product is, is something that's really fun. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something I'm proud of. Yeah. I mean, and you and everyone at Orvis has done a remarkable job because it, it's changed the game. I mean, to be honest, I, I um, and I, I'm excited for the future, what one thing about this? So I, I want to in in this segment uh, of your, you know, you showing up at Orvis before you showed up, when you went to Terra Power is that the name of it? Yeah, in Seattle. Yeah. Yep. And then you're fishing with your buddies. Um, were were you leaving a lot on the? T- I mean, how did it go there? Were you? I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to get to the decision, right? Because that's a very seminal moment where. You know, yep. a lot of good decisions are made in the water. Yep. You obviously made a great decision, but it also was probably a, a huge one. Well, yeah. I mean, like every life decision, you can you can usually either follow logic, passion, or some sort of, you know, uh, perceived financial gain. Or mm-hmm. if I do this, I'm going to come out ahead. And, and what was awesome about the Orvis is deal was like it was passion mm-hmm. it was just like i went back to that high schooler that was like yeah you know and, and i went i mean post-grad i uh got my master's degree i sent i sent resumes to like rocky mountain trek bikes um you know k2 sports mm-hmm. and you know i was all in i was like yeah i'm, I'm gonna do this yeah. and then literally i went to a job fair and the people from xmo was like come over here yeah <laughs> 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 come talk to us come talk to us but but i mean i had to imagine that the you know let's if even if we just look at it on a fiscal level right mm-hmm. like that the the terra power thing was probably i mean basically what i'm trying to get at is for for the you know someone who's in a similar position in a place that they don't want to be but they think that that's their fate yep i mean take a chance maybe or i mean because it it sounds to me the way you were describing it that it was a pretty big. It wasn't a risk necessarily, but you were leaving some stuff on the table, maybe. Yeah, uh, let's put it this way. I, um, yeah, I have a buddy that went on to work, got hired in that same kind of recruiting class at Terra mm-hmm. Power. Uh, we still keep up. He's in a different place in his life, you know. I w- I moved to Manchester. I lived in a garage. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, you know, like, you know, Facebook <laughs> rented a garage. At, oh, wow. It purple painted f- plywood floors. Nice. There was a window, a stained glass window that went into the bathroom. Lava lamps? <laughs> no, no <laughs> lava lamps. I brought my own furniture. But but the, but the the landlord who lived next door definitely had a lava lamp. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, Southern Vermont, right? She was, <laughs> she was, uh, those Halloween parties were something else. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was definitely a, okay, this is, you know, I mean, I think my mom was like, Orvis, like, is that the, is that the, the chewing gum company? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, no mom, Orvis, you know, sporting tree. Oh yeah. Yeah. They had the, they had one of them shops down in Lexington, you know, like yeah. they make good fly rod stuff. Right. You know, oh, that's good. Good for you. <laughs> you know, education, what? And, you know, ultimately, uh, I think, I think my parents are my biggest supporters. You know, they're like super proud of me for, for that decision. If anything else, you know, just that, that moment in life where I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to step out and go that way. Um, and it's been awesome. I mean, it's been a, a great, great ride. I mean, yeah. Have, have you read, um, I mentioned this, I think on maybe the last show, but have you read grit the book? No. Um, by Angela Duckworth. It's, um, it's all about exactly what you just described. You, you might dig it. It's like how passion and perseverance. Cause I imagine for you, like you said, you didn't like, I don't know how to build a fly rod, but like yeah. the passion and perse- perseverance, you know, she breaks it down into equations of like, and that it will actually trump innate ability all day long. Yeah. And she wrote a whole book on it. I That's mean, awesome. made her life's work about it, but yeah, it's, it's very cool. Um, if, uh, if you hadn't sat next to Hempkins on that airplane, um, well, or talk to him on the, I, I can't believe that part that it was just like the deplaning part. Yeah. I always thought it was like, you guys had a long said, conversation, yeah, had a bunch of drinks chatty. And like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what, what do you, what would you, if you had to fathom what life might look like? Cause it's, I, I have this, you know, one of the things I wrote down was like, you know, experiences might just have a, a plan at scripting fate, you know, in a way. I mean, it's, you know, that, that's a defined moment. Yep. That led you on the, on this path. I mean, I would say, um, yeah, I was honestly, Mike, I would say that I probably be, you know, skiing at crystal working, mm-hmm. working hard, you know, um, wondering where, you know, close trout fishing was to Seattle, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So the lesson, right. Would be like, ask questions, reach out. Like, I mean, if you hadn't asked him to borrow the magazine, yeah, right, you know well, what I mean? Like, yeah. Be open. Yeah open to new ideas, open to new journeys. Um, and you know, and I, I think honestly, like two weeks, I mean, the first two weeks are pretty awesome, right? Like I'm, I'm literally, you know, floating in, in a drift boat with some cool people that I work with now and going like, yeah, no, that's the, we're right. We're in the yeah. right spot. And, uh, and if you kind of take and go through that progression, the coolest thing about Orvis, uh, I think is, is the fact that they really, um, where they shine is taking, you know, the passions align, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, having conversations with Dave and Perk early on, all I really wanted to do, like my, my, uh, North star was to create and help be a part of making new product that they as passionate anglers really enjoyed, mm-hmm. you know, that that was the test, um, you know, going out. I mean, literally I'm not a fist pump guy, but like when Dave would take, you know, an H two nine Oh five and cast it quietly, you know, 
and yeah. then pick up the H1905 and do that and no reaction, just stonewall. Yeah. And he'd turn around and he goes, wow, how did you do that? That's pretty good. <laughs> Tell the boys at the rod shop, you know, great job. Yeah. Approved. And, you know, and I'm like, I'm just sitting there and I'm like reflecting. I'm going, okay, I work for a company that the owners are so invested in the product that Dave is out on the pond casting them for, for approval. Yeah. For production, you know, which is, and then, you know, the group of internal group of anglers that, you know, are all stoked to get new prototypes and go check them out and take them on trips and stuff like that. Um, it, it was, it was definitely eye opening, right? Like the, yeah. you, you could not have convinced me that that was reality at Orvis, uh, in 2007. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, so it's, it's been fun and, and, and every, literally every program that I've worked on, I've always had that same North star of not necessarily creating equipment that I wanted or I liked, but that the guide community wanted, you know, mm-hmm. or the, you know, my friends, you know, people like yourself, you know, I mean, I send you a product and when you're like, yeah, this is great. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm that's one more drop in the bucket. Right. Uh, I send you a product and you're like, mm, you know, like, like mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Like yeah. this one does this not so great. You know, then it's like, you know, chalk it up as more motivation to keep pushing and, um, having that connection. I mean, it was one thing that was missing when I worked at, uh, you know, at, at the, at Knowles, right. Yeah. You know, um, doing naval nuclear propulsion, <laughs> uh, very rarely, did I get to interact with, uh, Navy personnel, mm-hmm. you know, and like shake their hand and just, you know, get the feedback. How, how is my nuclear <laughs> fuel working <laughs> well, for you? Yeah, right. How is my, I yeah. can't talk about what I do. Yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, I was missing that kind of that link. And then I got to Orvis and it was like, yeah, this is what, this is what, uh, life's journey and it's not, it sort of loses the work side and comes into the just like, yeah, you're just, that's just what you do. Yeah. Passionate about yeah. it. And it seems like it comes full circle. I mean, obviously we talked about it a little bit today in the boat, right? I mean, there's some comments or there's some stuff that's got to be frustrating and it's almost, you know, in a way, if you're just like the, how you described the white label on the rod, like you're, you're putting yourself out there. I mean, cause it's yeah. going to go into a lot of hands and I mean, there's a lot of people that could be making comments, but, um, it's, it's very, very cool. And is there, um, what's on the horizon that you can talk about? I saw that the new waterproof kind of, yep. That was, yeah. Jesse Haller. So, I mean, just, that's the other thing just, real quick to touch on is as I've spent more time at Orvis, um, you know, I've been sort of given the opportunity really from an enabling standpoint and from a reinforcing standpoint to, to kind of widen my scope of where, what I'm doing. Right. You know, it's just not just rods and reels. It's yeah. And, and probably uh, one of the most fulfilling things was to bring, new team members and existing team members in to the fold and then watching them create and watching their passion and like, you know, just literally diving in and Jesse, who's on the team, he's a senior product developer. Uh, that pack that you saw, you Mm -hmm. know, that was, that was his blood, sweat and tears and his, you know, full emotion of like, it's gotta be right. And, you know, and me kind of, 
me giving him the reinforcement when he needed it and then saying, you know, Hey man, you know, like, uh, it's okay if this seam is not exactly where you want it to be, you know, that's, that's, that one's going to be all right. Yeah. It's still going to hold your fly boxes and keep them all dry. Uh, but it's been, it's been super cool. I mean, we've had, we have now, um, uh, you know, probably the most enthusiastic team, you know, of developers and designers cross fish hunt and dog, mm-hmm. um, where, I mean, and, and, it's just been awesome to, to sort of see that. And you realize that your ability to impact something is only is limited by, you know, time of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess, you know, brain focus, you know, bandwidth. And then once you start, you know, developing a team around you, that's like-minded, that's aligned in passions and aligned in, in um, sort of that goal of making the best product for, for, you know, anglers. Um, that's, that's when you kind of sit back and you're like, Oh, this is, this is super cool. Yeah. Like this is really, really cool now. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we had that when I came in, I mean, we had a great team then and, you know, Sean brilliant now is our, uh, master bamboo craftsman. You know, I mean, he's, he's, his, both of his parents worked in the rod shop Wow. He was the uh, first fishing manager in a flagship store when we when we redid it and kind of debuted the new flagship store. Was a rock star there. Came in as a product developer. Um, I think in maybe five, six, seven years ago, seven years ago, he he had an itch to go to Montana. Mm-hmm. Uh, he left Orvis. Did a little magical mystery tour of Montana, Oregon. Hairline too, right? Yeah, he worked. Yeah. He worked for MFC. Had some fun there. Went out to Hairline, um, did it up there, and then he called me up one day. He's like, "Hey, man, I want to come home." And I'm like, "Cool. What do you want to do?" And he was like, "I want to make bamboo fly rods. That's awesome. It's been, you know, it's a dream of mine. And just seeing that, and you know, it's like, uh, as they say around the office, Boo is back. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, it's it's super cool to it's, see that." get carried on. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's a, I mean, just to kind of oversaturate the, the, um, you know, what it means to be in the industry, you Mm -hmm. know, what it means to work for Orvis, you know, there's so many things there that, uh, if you have a bad day, you just kind of lean back and you're like, shake it off. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, like I could be on the INL right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. uh, in Idaho today, not on the INL. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, well, but, I want to jump, um, back because sure. I, um, I'm interested in, you know, the 10 years prior to that. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. because it, well, first of all, I mean, so 10 years, right, as a mechanical engineer for, like like I said in the intro, Exxon, GE, uh, Lockheed, and, like, where where did that take you? I mean, we, I've heard, you know, when you woke up with the dragon underneath your bed, yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> told me that in story. In Cambodia, yeah. In Cambodia, but it's did it take cool. you all around the world, or was it... Yeah, it was a, that was a pretty fun ride. So it started with, um, you know, it started with that trip to Houston, Texas. Um, I was recruited and is this right after out of school, out of grad school. Actually, actually I took the job before grad school and they were like, they were like, you know what? Um, stay in grad school, 
we'll pay for it. Uh, you got a job. And that was 2000, right? And how did, so did you do that? And did you do grad school? Did I, am I reading the timeline right? Did you do it in one year? I did grad school. So at, at University of Louisville, Speed Scientific Engineering School, they had a, a, a sort of a, I guess, a course curriculum that you could go fast track to master's in five years. Okay. So, so I went to school okay. year round, five years in a wow. row. Yeah. No summers, no parties on the beach. Wow. Um, just straight up. I was just like, you know, head down. Perseverance. I'm going to check this part of my life out. Everybody else, all my buddies were like, you know, they went to to University of Kentucky, to Louisville, to Tennessee, to Ohio State. And they were like, you know, oh, this weekend, man, come party. And I'm like, nah, you know, I got calculus too. Uh, got to do good in this class. It's fundamental. Good on you. I didn't want to talk about my college after hearing that. Well, it sucks, right? Because, I mean, you know, I talked to some people and the life experiences gained in those same years. You know, I mean, I sort of buckled down and... and uh, What do you attribute that to? I mean, because most, I mean, most people are not going to go... I mean, I, maybe, maybe, maybe people I but I don't know a lot of people, right, in undergrad that just went fast track straight through grad and did well i mean yeah i think um i think it's probably more that i'm not a competitive person right you're not no no i mean like i'm not a fish counter um i've done some fly fishing competitions is like the you know i'll sure i'll i'll come and support the cause because i think it's a good community event um and you know, it's been fun to do that, but I'm, I'm like, I could check out and be like, yeah, that's cool. Let's go over here and pick some four leaf clovers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, just not in my nature. Uh, I guess, I mean, I played soccer through high school and then I found what I would call solo sports, you know, skiing, yep. mountain biking, fishing, um, you know, setting a tree stand for three hours and you're like, I'm not, I'm not competing. I'm just trying to absorb nature, yep. you know? Uh, be part of this in a, in a different way. And, um, and I, but I'm, I'm highly competitive internally, right? It's just, you're a, competitive with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, all right, um, I can't do this. Yes, I can. It's going to be hard. Got to do it, you know, and just make it happen. I mean, I, I raced, uh, I raced mountain bikes in my late teens and early twenties. And I, I just raced the clock. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I raced downhill. I raced, uh, some 24 hour races. I was my, you know, my, I used to be cool. 24 Mo- hours of Moab. You do that? No, I did Rocky Hill, uh, in, in Austin, outside of Austin. Um, but my, I used to be cool moment was, uh, you know, I tell everybody and I realized, <laughs> I realized that I uh, called myself out. I'm like, you know what? Uh, You're going to be Uncle Rico (laughs) pretty damn soon if you keep this up. But the last race that I did was the, yeah, back at it. The last race I did was um, the 2005 single speed world championships. And, you know, like that was, that was pretty much, I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. That was fun nearly killed myself but you know? and, and you were competitive about it yeah 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 with yeah. The against the clock and yeah, yeah i was competitive about it in the sense that i wanted to finish a 26 mile grueling single speed in state college pa 
where the course was designed to basically make you want to drink as much beer post ride as possible. <laughs> I mean, that was it, right? This isn't like Olympic level racing. This yeah. is like full skid life, you know, like super rad people. Gary Fisher was there. I finished just behind him. Uh, and I was like, wow. Oh cool. You know, are you going to post results? And they're like, no man, it was just like, it was <laughs> the single speed world championships. We're anarchy. And, uh, and I was like, well, but I wanted to finish. Yeah, ribbon, I, mean, I was right know? behind you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I actually shared a beer with him in the parking lot. Oh, and he was cool. like, that was righteous. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I usually write themes and as I was falling asleep, trying to write this last night, the theme was, I just put mind, you know, and my mind, cause I know your mind works you know, mechanical engineering. I mean, I, I, I can't even scratch, right? I got nothing. I got no game there. I, okay. got, I got zero. But um, when I'm on it, like I did the 24 hours of Moab and I was, I was really bad. I mean, I was <laughs> like really, I was like the weak link. And, um, and we were a weak link as a team, but I was, I was like the obvious weak link. Like okay. People waiting and like, this is, he's got to get back soon. And, getting past but um for me it's like it almost is when um you know there's others involved so the complete opposite i don't know it's interesting to yeah. think about because like mine mine my competitive juice is like i'll go for a mountain bike here i won't even look at mileage or time or i'll do like a rough one like what time did i leave my truck you know yeah. whatever but um i don't know it's fascinating because but then if you get others going around me and I don't know if that's experience from growing up or not, but yeah, but back to, back to where it brought you. So like Houston. Sure. So I'm at, I'm at Exxon Mobil working the North America's project office. Um, you know, first two weeks, they're just like, here's Exxon culture. And I'm kind of going like, Oh, oh okay. You know, um, my first assignment like was in, stiff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dry cleaner stiff. <laughs> yeah. okay. All right. Um, it. yeah. It, with a little bit of like Dr. Evil mixed in <laughs> nothing bad against Exxon. Yeah. Thank you for your, your petroleum, petroleum products. <laughs> that got me here today. Um, yeah. but no, it, you know, it was different, right? It was, yeah. it was, it was pretty clear. I was, I was kind of, uh, as you said earlier, um, square peg round hole. Mm -hmm. And, um, my first job was in Calgary. Uh, I lived in the Westin for about two months. Oh, wow. Yeah. At room service. So you go to Houston. I go to Houston. They train get, me up and, and then shoot me off. Okay. Yeah. And uh, there was this guy, and I would say he was probably a big influence. Uh, his name was Mark Blau. Uh, Mark, if you're out there listening, thanks. And we're fishing the Bow River together. Literally, you know, it's it's like, September. really cool so you were you fished all throughout these 10 years yeah yeah okay. i started fishing when i was 11 11 yeah. right yeah i fly fishing right start fishing when i was i don't know you know snoopy pole right yeah um and so mark and i are standing in you know in the bow river and he's got this big cigar and he's going ah oh, this is great you know never never on any of these assignments is there anybody that wants to go fly fishing and we're doing all right you know we're prince nymphs spork and mm -hmm. you know, whatever you know yeah. like you know just just hanging out right and uh he turns to me on the walk out on like you know maybe our fifth outing and he's like you know sean you're in the wrong place really yeah and this is so this is two this is after 
training Houston fresh um, out of school. Three months in, wow. you know, maybe. And uh, and he's like, he was probably 50 at the time. I was 21, 22. Wow. And um, and he's like, yeah, you know, uh, if, if I could go back and I see a little bit of me and you, mm-hmm. I would tell myself to to go to, you know, basically don't get into this path. Yeah. And that sat with me for a while. Uh, my next job was in Chalmette outside of New Orleans. Wow. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, redfish. This and and the way that this works, do, is it like every yeah, you job go could take? Yeah, you okay. go anywhere. And and so I did that, and, you know, I was sort of into it. And that was another two or three months. And I would fly back and forth, you know, Houston to to New Orleans. And, um, and then... Got through that one. I'm back in the office and I'm like, okay, what's my next assignment? And it's just this like fast track exposure mm-hmm. that they wanted new employees to go through. And uh manager calls me and he was like, how about Kenya? And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool on paper, but what would I be doing? You would basically be making sure that people did not steal pipe. Would it still pipe? Yeah. To steal, to sorry, steal. Okay, yeah, I thought you said yeah. steal. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Same, Kentucky. Same. Gotcha. <laughs> peel, peel, pin, pin. I'm going They're to Kentucky the at the end yeah. here. Yeah, okay. we're gonna get there. Uh, so anyway, yeah, you know, no theft on pipe. You had to. You were a cost control engineer, and you had to calculate loss of material, because local people would would come in at night and take you know 20 foot sections so they could make like culverts and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, no, that sounds terrible. Kenya sounds awesome. That sounds terrible. I'm like, what else you got? And they're like, Nova Scotia, Halifax. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, now we're talking, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then I had this other guy and I, it, it, I got on a local project and I was working in the Kellogg Brown root towers. And this is like fundamental moment when Enron collapsed. <laughs> I looked out of my window on the 23rd floor and watched where, car- where were you? Sorry. Houston. Okay. Yeah. So Enron yeah. towers were right next door to the KBR towers, downtown Houston. And I watched one after the other, like these cars just like ripping out. Right. You know, like leaving the parking garage at two in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And essentially Enron, Enron was collapsing right then and there. <laughs> and, uh, and so that gave me some pause. And I mean, I was working like 80 hour weeks, just burning out, you know, like, like literally eating pasta at 10 o'clock going for a mountain bike ride with headlamp and Memorial park. And just burning out. Um, and I and I went back to what this guy Market said, and I'm like, yep, I'm checking out. So at that point, I leave Exxon, uh, cruise back to Kentucky, work for a small engineering firm in oil and gas, uh, more aligned with, I'd say, me personally, my my core beliefs. They, they produce vapor recovery equ- equipment, which is essentially a fancy way of saying the stuff that coll- collects the vapors at gasoline loading terminals, like big shipping ports mm-hmm. and recycles them. So I'm like, yeah, I'm all in. And that took me to Thailand, Korea, Poland, uh, all over Canada, all over North America, you know? Wow. Um, and in each of those places I was just kind of collecting experiences and you know, that, that kind of worked. And then a couple years later, I'm like, man, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. No offense to Louisville, Kentucky. Love the city. Um, have a lot of respect for that town. But I was like, you know, 
trout fishing. No skiing. No, you mm-hmm. know, uh, it was starting to wear on me. And so I, I looked for job opportunities and I thought Northeast was cool. Ended up going to work for Capel, uh, mm-hmm. Knowles, right. The, the nuke propulsion thing. And, um, that opened a whole new level of, uh, just, just the next chapter. Cause literally in that, at that lab, I was surrounded by 2,500 smarter than me people, <laughs> um, learned a lot, learned a lot about process, learned about a lot about creativity and thought and problem solving, you know, every day was, you know, you're like, here's a new project. No one's ever done this before. Mm-hmm. This isn't an exam. We don't know the answers. And if you fail, you, you know, you're probably going to blow something up. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying, yeah, right? Like, yeah. like you, you know, like, like discipline for, mm. for seeking the right solution. Right. And, uh, and I did that for I don't know, six or so years, met Steve on a plane, checked yeah. that box back to the high school counselor. Um, and there, there it is. That, so in, that's amazing. I didn't know even didn't know half of that stuff. So if you if you could go to that that time let's just call it that block of 10 years right what what was what did you take with you from that block to orvis because was it i mean was it culture was it like you said like discipline or i mean yeah mixed bag or uh a mixed bag i think um probably Probably the biggest thing that from an experience thing that, uh, that I took uh, was the ability to, uh, I would say, be confident in your ability to solve problems that mm-hmm. you that you have no idea, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like just just walk into it and start with you know like a like a thousand piece puzzle. Start with an edge mm-hmm. and go from there. And and that that gave me the confidence to to, to really take my education, my experiences and then apply them to, um, you know, just to, to a new problem. Yeah. And it, it just so happened to be that the problem was, was clearly aligned with, you know, my personal life, mm-hmm. uh, which was, I think, you know, something that, yeah, I mean, I'm going to try my best to encourage my children to, you know, follow their passions before, mm-hmm following something, you know, material or something sure. like that. Right. And, you know, if the passions mean that you're, you know, doing whatever, I mean, you know, whatever, whatever speaks to you, just do that. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that, I think that was it. And then, uh, you know, Exxon was, uh, probably more about what, like when to realize that goals, uh, that don't align with you are probably less important. Mm-hmm. You know, impressing your parents. You know, yeah. I was like, oh, you know, I'm like, you know, top of my class and blah, yeah. blah, blah, or whatever. And literally, you know, I'm, I'm not doing this for me. Yeah. You know, uh, I can put food on the table some other way. I'm 21. I don't eat much. <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. ramen noodles and SpaghettiOs doesn't cost that much. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was probably Exxon. And then the ability to see the world. At a young age. Yeah. Did that into the cultural aspect of it? Like, yeah. 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 I mean, it was somewhat sheltered growing up in Kentucky, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, from a worldly standpoint, like a lot of my friends went on backpacking trips in Europe, you know, or, you know, you spoke to one that you did in, in, in Southeast Asia and 
I didn't have those experiences. And so getting caught up to that and doing it in a professional setting. Um, and often I would find myself traveling alone, you know, just, yeah. like, just but just, which, right. You absorb way more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's, there's no safety net. There's no safety net. There's yeah. no, you know, I mean, the first time I went to Thailand, I literally almost got into the local cab and a police officer was like, no, 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 you're, you know, you're a, you're a tourist. You're, you're a tourist. <laughs> yeah, you right. go in these cabs because yeah. those cabs will take you over there and then take all your stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and so it's just like fumbling my way through that as a, as a pretty like wide eyed, you know, starry eyed kid. Yeah. Uh, I remember getting in the tourist speaking of cabs in yeah. Thailand, like, so I don't know. I read somewhere cause I was, I was, I was, I don't know, 26, maybe mm-hmm. I, I think I had just graduated business school and whatever. So I had never been in any part of that world and let alone on it back. But anyhow, I was reading what to do and what not to do. Right. Yeah. Like Lonely planet maybe or something. I was like, whatever you do, don't get on the ninja bike taxis. Right. And then one day I was like in traffic and I saw this thing go by and then I was like, <laughs> and then like halfway through the ride, I was like, Oh shit. I shouldn't have gotten on this thing. But and the other one was don't get on the speedboat and, Laos, which had like a Volvo V12 on the back of a canoe, but yeah. 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 So that's, that's probably, I mean, those pieces. And then, you know, I spoke to it at Capel, uh, just being humbled by being surrounded by team members that you could learn more from and Mm kind of taught me, I mean, you know, I think a lot of younger adults, they get to a point in their progression where, you know, from a teenager, you, you think, you know, it all. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, you got to figure it out. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, yeah. and then getting put in, a, in an environment where uh, it opened my eyes to like this guy, Dr. Parrington or Dr. Day, like they come to work to solve problems that that don't even exist yet. Yeah. You know, they seek them out and then solve them. Huh. And uh, and kind of getting that that uh, that piece you know, the puzzle was, was eye opening for me. And so, you know, and, and, and took taking that ability to listen and absorb, uh, with me to Orvis, you know, and, and I mean, I went to work at Orvis and I was like, yeah, I can catch fish. Yeah. I know what brown trout like, you know, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I'll go through the stages of all. Yeah. And then I like, I'm like, Tom Rosenbauer has missed more fish than I've ever thought about. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? Pete Kutzer, right? Yeah. Super pal, right? Yeah. I'm like, I go out fishing with him one day and, you know, and, and he's literally like, we're just creek fishing for brook trout. And he's like throwing aerial bins to, to he's already like calculated by nature, the microcurrents in this tiny ass little creek. Mm-hmm. And he's just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and then like hitting the perfect against the rock swirls around six times before it gets ripped out. Yeah. And, you know, getting, getting eats. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> a lot to learn I'm going to go ahead and sit down over here <laughs> and watch and watch, yeah. you know? So, and, th- and that's, um, that's been awesome. Just sort of being, being the casual observer and being, yeah. being a, a good, a good listener and a good student. Um, yeah. I think that helps too with, with, uh, you know, with product design, right? I mean, how to make a, 
better pair of waders or how to make a better fly reel. Um, yeah, and people, I mean, it's amazing. I've had some conversations with people where they're like, how do you, like, you're very passionate about permit fishing, right? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's not the only thing, but yeah. And they're like, well, then how do you go on these trips and host them and watch? And I'm like, you know how much information like I get? Yeah. Like I just sit there and learn. And yes, I am the best line jockey you've ever seen, but <laughs> I mean, I can take care, I can mend yeah. people's lines while they're fishing, but I mean, it's been a wild learning experience. And, you know, I don't think I would have gotten that if I hadn't, if that wasn't my job, right? Like if I didn't have to sit back and yeah. try and do it. But I, it's, um, I don't know, that's, that's the whole thing is wildly cool to hear that block of 10 years. And then jumping even farther back, growing up in um, Kentucky, what, what was the name of the shop? Field and Stream Outfitters. Field and Stream Outfitters. Which is super wild, but my dad being an entrepreneur, when we were way young, we lived in Mount Sterling, my mom had a gasoline grocery store restaurant. Mm-hmm. My dad had a car wash in a, in a shop called Backwoods Outfitters. Hmm. And it was like part, part archery store, part gun shop, part pawn shop, part like, you know, anything and everything. Yeah. Right. Uh, local market. Um, and he also had a, uh, a shooting range, right? So, you know, skeet trap, this is before sporting clays. Um, you know, I was, I was picking up clay pigeons and the ones that weren't broken and, mm-hmm. and re-racking them, you know, oh, it was wow. like little kid, right. Yeah. Playing around and like, don't go over there. It's a horn's nest. You know, that, that was, that was my childhood. And Field and Stream Outfitters, uh, when we moved to Louisville, is like, well, Backwoods doesn't really seem right, you know, and he was going to, you know, start a new shop in Louisville. And it was all about, really, I think it was all about putting my brothers and I in a new environment that was all, you know, based on education and opportunity. And, um, and so Field and Stream Outfitters, he called the magazine and they were like, yeah, internet wasn't around. They were just like, yeah, so, you know, so long as you never create a publication you can have you know handshake rights to the name mm-hmm. and um and he ran that shop for geez all the way to 96 um the year i graduated he was like hey do you you know i've worked i mean i fletched arrows gave archery lessons really? uh, the whole deal you know i mean i was i was folding barber shirts and you know unpacking filson luggage and doing the whole thing and, um, and then he, he asked me, he was like, you know, Hey, you know, your two older brothers, they gone. <laughs> uh, do you have any interest in, you know, taking the business on? And I was like, mm, hard thought. No, I'm going to go get an education at university of Louisville and going to do my own thing. And yeah. literally like two weeks later, he sold the business. Really? Yep. Huh. Yeah. Which was wild. You know, the influence that you have on your parents as well. Um, yeah, you know, it's wow. just sort of like crazy to think about that moment that decision moment for my parents and um yeah and so you know i kind of you know for a while that was like kind of heavy you know like Mm -hmm. oh geez that was what my dad loved to do but the reality is is um you know i i shot off from there um you know all through high school i was the weird kid that you know had a jeep with a ski rack 
mm-hmm. that I kept on in the summer. <laughs> just because I was like, hey, everybody, just so you know, I snow ski. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, uh, yeah, I know. I used to drive around the vineyard with a surfboard and I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> It's just, I used to be cool. Yeah, I used, yeah. To, I used to try to be cool. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I think that uh, I was pretty, like those years, those like high school years, I literally was either going to fish, mountain bike, wintertime I would drive the night ski at Paley Peaks in Indiana. It's like 45 minutes from my house. Uh, I was just trying to get it, you know, uh, and I think I was like 14, I was 14 years old. My neighbor, uh, was from his parents from Nevada and they were like, do you want to go to Tahoe with us? Mm-hmm. And then that was just game changer. You know, yeah, I was yeah. just like, okay. And since then I literally, I mean, I hate to say it, but, uh, all the way to today, I've kind of formed all my decisions in life on selfishly, how can I go skiing, mountain bike, fish, like mm-hmm. do something, um, just do something that was outside and kind of, I mean, you know, with friends or without friends or yeah. whatever, just, just super into that. People often ask me like, you asked me today, you, you know, Sean, you follow hockey. Yeah. And my joke is like, yeah, Tim Bradley, he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the conversation ender, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, and it's just, it's funny, but I selfishly, I've just never had time for, you know, watching TV and sports. I mean, I just, you know, yeah. I'd rather be out on my bike or something, you know, yeah. on a and Sunday. Then throw uh, kids in the mix and yeah. time gets shorter. Do yeah. you, uh, I, when I was, uh, doing some research last night, I saw a really rad pair of skis that you, Oh yeah. You, sure. you still build skis? No, no. I, uh, uh, my wife and I started building kids. Yeah, <laughs> and the last pair of skis I pressed was eight years ago. And uh, did you do that in someone else's shop or in your? Nope. Place? No, I literally went to uh, Home Depot. Uh, wow. I think it was like maybe. So this goes back to that. You know, I wanted to work for K two or whatever. Yeah. And at some point, um, Shane McConkey, you know, famous skier, not with us anymore. He he kind of changed the fundamental skiing game you know reverse side cut reverse you know camber mm-hmm. rocker skis uh and i was at the time i was super absorbed into ski culture mountain bike culture and um and i was also poor and i was <laughs> like you know i want a pair of spatulas yeah like that which was a which was a volant yeah it was shane's signature ski that you know single-handedly changed the whole game mm-hmm. Um, everybody, I mean, at the time when we went from like straight skis where you did swivel turns or hop turns to like shape skis, which were highly groomer specific that everybody, you know, hourglass skis of the early nineties, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Shane was like, no, screw that. I want to go ski powder. Yeah. So he took a pair of, uh, Volant chubs, which were like 90 millimeters under the waist, bent them. Cause he had this idea that, like water skis, and snow had a lot of parallels. And so he literally, uh, yeah, he, you know, he talked to, to, uh, Turner at Volant. He was like, here's my concept. I want to make them. It was really, I think it was subconsciously very influential to, on, on me. And I wanted to, I wanted to pair these skis. They were like, I don't know, probably $700, maybe 800 bucks. And I was like, eh, no way. 
Uh, so then I got this idea. I'm like, I'm going to make my own skis. And, you know, at this point, uh, a lot of my travel would be to go ski, you know, Alta, Jackson, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. that was kind of my investment nest egg was like party for a week on skis somewhere. Cool. And, uh, you know, and it, I, yeah, I just pretty much was like, how hard can it be? You know, yeah. like it's wood, it's fiberglass, it's, you know, a maple veneer top sheet, uh, igneous actually from Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys were pressing skis right here. Uh, and so, you know, I kind of like take that, you know, ability to, to garage craft and then, you know, Shane's sort of fundamental think outside of the box. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to build some skis. So first pair of skis I pressed, I called them the bluegrass rockers. They were like 125 under the foot. Ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Full, full rocker reverse, <laughs> reverse side cut. I mean, they were like, you know, I thought I'd figured it all out. Like thickness of the core, the profile, I built router tables to, to profile the cores. Uh, I built a, a press to get the camber, a vacuum bagged them. And I ended up, over probably about 10 years or so, I think I pressed 18 pairs of skis and I was the weird guy, you know, at this point I'm moved to the Northeast. I'm like at Mad River Glen and the hardcore skiers are looking at me and they're like, you know, what is that? You know, what are you on? What are yeah. you? And then you go to a place like Killington and you're like, are those water skis? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so did they, um, do you still ski on them? Uh, you know, I stopped skiing my last pair. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably, uh, say four years ago or something like that. And did they, I mean, did they hold up or was there a learning process? Or like you did you first, because not too many people just are like, I want those skis. I yeah. go, go to home Depot and then make them. So, so first pair, I skied probably 50 days on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were powder skis and yeah. you know, I would ski them on groomers. I mean, I was just like, I was so excited to just be like on my own skis. And then I, and I started tweaking profiles, flex, uh, camber, you know, just making, making tweaks and changes and just being like, uh, passionately curious, you know, yeah. like, I wonder what this is going to do. Uh, it ended up, I mean, I think it sounds it, very time consuming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it is. But you know, Northeast, it gets dark at four thirty. Yeah. You know, go to the garage, go to your basement, not watching sports, not watching yeah, sports. Exactly. Like, you know, you uh, Yeah. We didn't have podcasts really then, yeah. so it was put on your best, you know, dicks picks and yeah, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's, it's like Cornell seventy seven. Yeah, mix repeat. up some uh, yeah. West Marine epoxy and get after it. Uh, but that was, I mean, that was fun. You know, it was it was awesome. Uh, I. I, yeah, I mean, what's I'm, a lot of people are like, well, you make your own skis. Why don't you start a ski company? I'm like, cause, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I made that good of skis. <laughs> you know, like, well, it's just pretty cool. I mean, cause there's a theme there, right? I mean, it's like, I don't know. The, there's a, there's something to that and to connected to what you're doing currently for sure. I, I mean, I'm not saying I can line that out. Well, that was the, that was another thing that was like a bonus at Orbis was now I'm in a candy shop. Yeah. You know, or a bakery, probably a better analogy. I'm in a bakery and I'm surrounded by people who, you know, it's not just me in the basement, right? You know, there's a team of people. I mean, I, uh, I, I literally, I could spend the rest of the podcast just like giving props to, 
the men and women at the rod shop who make our fly rods, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think they often like, you know, people get a fly rod and they're like, Oh, this is great. And they go out and they fish and it loses the connection to the makers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's something that's kind of, you know, it's a little, I mean, the same thing with cars. I mean, you know, you get in a car, you don't think about the people who worked to put the car together, the designers that designed the car, you know, you're just like, Oh, I got a car. It's going to take me to the restaurant. And, um, that's, that was the cool, like enabling part of Orvis was, okay, now I can do something like make skis, but at a scale where, you know, selfishly I get to have that like kind of experimental, you know, curious tinkering side of things, but also held, you know, with the team to a timeline to bring product to market. Mm -hmm. And unlike anything else I've done before, soon as it comes to market, you're getting feedback, Yeah, you know, and some of the coolest moments that I've had in the last 10 years is being on the river and, you know, walking up to somebody that you don't know and just like chatting with them. And it's like, Hey, how do you like your rod? And I never tell them like, you know, oh, I work at Orvis or, yeah. you know, or mm. I was part of that. <laughs> That's mine. But you just, you know, you just kind of hear their story in a probably two minute interaction. And they're like, yeah, you know, fishing did this for me and I love this rod and you should check it out. You should try it out. Oh, you've got one too. That's so cool. Yeah. Every now and then they're like, Whoa, yours looks different. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a prototype. It's I'm, very I'm out. Cool. It's <laughs> very know? cool that you do that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I love it. I mean, and it's also, it, it's also interesting the way you were talking about that. It makes me wonder why. Um, and I'm probably, you know, to blame for this too, but at times for sure, trying not to be, but right. When you have, like you said, that experience from the creator to the end consumer, why is, why are people so much more passionate about speaking when things don't go right? As opposed to like, wow, this is awesome. You know what I mean? Like that's a, I don't know. Well, it'd be cool if, if, if we could turn, turn that. To be honest, that's probably, um, so every year the Orvis Guide Rendezvous, OGR, Mm. um, is the moment where you get to, I mean, you know, you get to interact with people who rely on your equipment for their job, their profession, to take people, and you just sort of see the pyramid, right? Take people out and, and influence them and show them an experience that will probably not all the time the stick rates a little, you know, it's to be determined, but we'll change their life or at least change their day. Yeah. And so in those, and, and that's the coolest thing about our community is they are there to shake your hand and be like, Hey, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're super busy. It's a rendezvous, blah, blah, blah. You got a lot of people, but you know, that super fine glass rod, I just love it, man. It's perfect for my Creek. And if you ever come to X, Y, Z, you know, call me up. Yeah. We'll, we'll go fishing together. You know, yeah, that's like, so cool. Like, you know, uh, there's, it's not transactional business card, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, all right. Yeah. You know, I've got a new friend. Yeah. And, and it's and, also just a, gotta be a great condensed, um, affirmation, if you will, of like, yeah, every year's work. every now and then, yeah. you know, you get you, I mean, you know, some people are more critical, but yeah, you, we talked about that today. There's some stuff you can probably just, brush off well no you no. that's to be honest that is the treasure trove i mean i, and I try, comedy or <laughs> no, <laughs> no 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 so 
we'll take it back. You and I, uh, probably in 2011, you sit down with me. No idea. You're like, hey, man, you know, Steve told me you're doing the bags. Mm-hmm. The boat bag needs to do this. Mm-hmm. And you tuck the current boat bag and you're like, check this out. You flip it up. Water comes in here. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're in a raft. You got to zip it up and unzip it and do this. Figure out how to have a lid that closes that keeps the water out. And I'm like spinning wheels, right? And I, I could have been like, all right, who's this guy? You know, he's he's got it all figured out. Why don't you try to do it? But I'm just taking mental notes the whole time. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to solve that problem. Yeah. And so that's the treasure trove. Did we do that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't You tell me. Yeah. I no. ended up, I ended up going back. No, but we had that conversation, right? I'm oh, yes. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Yeah. You, uh, and to paraphrase you, you said, I want my boat bag when my boat flips and you'll, you'll remember this. When my boat flips, <laughs> I want to, I want to go three miles down river, eddied out and find my boat bag with its contents in there secure mm-hmm. and dry. And yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, like that's kind of aggressive. How often do you flip your boat? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you know, where do you say you work again? <laughs> Worldcast. Isn't that a fly fishing yeah. place? You know, oh. at the time. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, that's just an example, you know, yeah. or I mean, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll talk to, I mean, it's like, Hey, I want this rig to run on this rod to do this. And in my fishery, if it doesn't do that, we're catching less fish. Yeah. You know, and so that. Well, I'm, I'm totally with you. I was more, I bet you, I, I was referring to the ones that you would just maybe discard because they didn't make sense. But. Well, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, we might as well hit it like the hook keeper's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Where else are you going to put the white label? Where the hook keeper was. Uh, you know, and, and that one's come up. I mean, you know, if that's the feedback, um, you know, and honestly, it's about education. You know, it's like, hey, when you have a hook keeper on, you're running a nine foot leader, you're pulling the, the leader to fly line connection into the tip top. And every time that you roll it up and move spots, you're going to do the little shimmy shake shuffle to try to get your, your, you know, perfection loop out of the tip top. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep it out. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, and I have this philosophy. It's like, if you don't want the, the hand in the cookie jar, get rid of the cookie jar. Yeah. Right. And so it's just simplifying it. And then, you know, it's like education on put your fly up on one of the guides, run it behind the real seat. We've got a, a curved foot now instead of a box foot on, on your, on your reel itself. Mm-hmm. So you don't kink the leader. If you like keep it rigged like that over overnight, Details. over a week or whatever. And so just kind of taking that holistic approach of going like, okay, here's a problem solve it and then people are like i don't get it why'd you do that and it's like well here's why and 90 percent of the time they're like sweet yeah. yeah i never thought of that and i'm like yeah you just pop your leader off the back of your reel tap your rod your fly drops off you look super cool you start fishing yeah um you know and and then my other answer usually depending on the audience is you know well with orvis we've put 12 conveniently located hook keepers up and down <laughs> your rod <laughs> You know, and so that's yeah. And yeah. then they're like, "Well, I fish seven and a half footers." <laughs> Are you trying to rip me off? Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. It keeps you going, man. Yeah, it really does. Well, um, 
I just have a, I got a couple more questions for you. This, I, this has been awesome. The day itself. I mean, we met at five thirty this morning and talk about making the most out of a day. So I, um, I appreciate your time, but, um, are you, are you currently reading any good books? Who? The, or have you read any, you know, past year? Yeah. Oh yeah. Stand out. No, I mean, uh, stand out. Um, a couple, I think a couple really good reads and some of them are just some fishing based, some not. Um, I would say, uh, Lord of the fly. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. With Monty. Yeah. Uh, that's a must. That's Monty Burke. Um, that's a must read. Uh, he did such an amazing job of, um, it's almost like you could, you could pick up that book without knowing anything. And I think you would have an understanding of what tarpon fishing with a fly is and yeah. continue reading on through. So I, I, uh, actually fished with Monty a couple weeks ago and I was trying not to be like super crush, you know, and like, you yeah. know, sign my book, Monty, <laughs> you know, I was trying to be cool. And I'm like, yeah, man, we'll just go out and fish. Yeah. Uh, but I, what I wanted to tell him was, it's the first book in a long time that I've read where I was mentally traveling through the locations mm -hmm. and I was seeing like, you know, the, the, the Tom Evans back at the house, you know, and I was seeing, I mean, fully vividly seeing like the pictures on the wall Yeah, and in that book, the uh, busted leaders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That book was like, it was really special in that. Um, I'd say, uh, geez, have you ever read the Tao Pooh? I don't think I have. Yeah, yeah, that was like high school. That was high school reading. Uh, it's not. It's not. You know, basically, it's it's Taoism through the lens of Winnie the Pooh. Huh. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. It That's was cool. it was an easy read for me at the right time. Um, yeah. You know, uh, don't be Eeyore. <laughs> don't be Rabbit. Yeah. You know, uh, don't be always busy and running around. You know, stop and enjoy the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you ever seen the movie The Tao of Steve? Nope. Yeah, <laughs> I'll put that one. We'll trade. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I think you'll dig it. Yeah, we'll um, trade. That's it, a good one. Yeah, no, pretty, it's... pretty, uh, pretty interesting humor. Um, and then question, I didn't give you a heads up. Just I should, I meant to this morning, but you know, who is one of the most interest, interesting person you've ever met, and oh. and why? You know, one of them doesn't. I mean. This question usually goes better with a heads up, but um. no, 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 that's fine. I can be, I can be quick on my feet. It's pretty easy. Um, I mean, I've, I'd say I've probably been exposed to a lot of interesting personalities and interesting people, and I mean, I could probably go through a list mm -hmm. uh, of of people, but I would say probably um, wholeheartedly probably Tom Rosebauer. Mm -hmm. So you got a guy who like, you know, 46 years ago was tying flies for the Orvis company. Uh, went from that to folding shirts at the flagship, then the, the red, the red store mm -hmm. in Manchester, uh, went from there to the fly fishing schools, uh, wrote the Orvis news, you know, like really like created that space. Um, I just found out the other day when we were fishing together and he was like, yeah, you know, I was the VP of product development for fish and hunt. And I'm like, really, wow. really Tom? Like, yeah. like, like, uh, that's crazy. Uh, but what, 
what's probably uh, most fascinating about a guy like Tom is the fact that, you know, you meet lots of personalities and they're usually, I wouldn't say they're one dimensional, but they mm-hmm. usually come across and project one dimension. And every time I fish with Tom, every time I hang out with Tom, we have conversations or whatever. Um, I learned something new about an experience. I mean, you think about 40 some years with Orvis. I mean, you know, he's it's amazing. He's a, a living historian. He's a living legend in the, yeah. 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 I mean, just in general, I mean, you know, you, you take the fishing aside, uh, he makes his own bean to bar chocolate. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, actually, I did know that he's a forager. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, he, he'll like, we'll be fishing and he'll like, you know, Oh, hen of the woods going. And there's a tree over here that 10 years ago, you know, had a, had a nice mushroom. And so I'm going to go up there real quick. And he comes back and he's like, yeah, check it out. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. You know, Oh, this, look, this is lion's mane. And, and you, you guys, know. you guys get to fish together quite a bit. I mean, I listen, you know, I listen to his podcast. And sure. You, yeah. 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 He somehow puts up with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. And you know, and the other, the other part, I mean, so you've got that and, and literally there's another dimension every time that you're willing to, to just sit back and listen, you know? And so that he keeps it interesting. Um, he's been a great mentor of mine, you know, just not just on the fishing side. I mean, I learned something, you know, I'm just like things that you think shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. He's just experimenting the whole time. He, you know, he's, yeah. he, I mean, he's literally the guy who's like, Hey, today let's just go tight lining. I know it's not like really what we want to do, yeah. but let's tight line game changers. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, that sounds cool, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come along and fish with you while you do that, yeah. you know? Uh, but yeah, he's, he's been a, he's a really interesting cat and just, I, I, I hope he would consider coming on here one, one day. Sure. Yeah. Amazing. No, I'm sure you have a hoot with him. He, uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, the limited time I've been able to spend with him has been, yeah, it's been amazing. And he's a, he's a first light to last light angler, which is probably taught me more than anything uh you know the love of fishing uh, mm-hmm. you know i mean at the end of the day why do we do this you know why do we do anything um and we all have different reasons for that and his is so i think it's so pure on just being a kid mm-hmm. and chasing that next moment i mean he is the he is the uh i mean he's, his optimism is insane you know That's i mean awesome. it's like weather report everything you know it's like cloudy winds to 20 um you know just rained a bunch and he's Mm -hmm. like let's go to the lake and look for carp on the flats and i'm like uh we're gonna get blown off not see anything (laughs) have silver water you know like and he's just like no it's gonna be good yeah like it churns it up they're gonna be on the you know whatever and i'm just learn something every time and how cool is that though that i mean right i mean you're because working together, same company. I mean, mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's lucky. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Super fortunate. That's awesome. I mean, not just Tommy, just li- literally pretty much every, every, every yeah. everybody that I work with, I, I've got the same kind of story and, and, uh, hold all of them in high regards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, it was an amazing day all sure around. Was. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. And, uh, thanks for, uh, sticking it out. And, uh, taking the extra time to come come on here i really appreciate it hopefully we'll do it again someday and um thanks again man yeah thank you mike awesome day awesome
To find out more information about Sean, head on over to Orvis.com and on Instagram at Sean Combs. Anywhere else people can... Uh, find me on the water. There you go. Yeah. That's a much better place to yeah. connect. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of Permit to Think. My hope is this podcast offer meaningful conversation and stories from the fringe of societal norms. Be sure to subscribe and support the podcast by leaving a review on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever you use. For more information, head on over to the website at permittothink.com and also forward this show to anyone in your network who you feel might dig it. I am out. Thank you.